every year is different, and kind of the makeup of an offense is different every year. So some some years you're going to run the ball heavy, some years you're going to throw it. And for me, I, I just want to win. I just want to win. Just need need more wins in that win column. And whether that's throwing the ball 50 times or throwing it 20 times or whatever that looks like. Um, and I think coming in here, I think that's the culture. I think everybody just wants to win. So whether you know somebody's rushing for 100 yards in a game or we're throwing for 200 or 400, five, it doesn't matter. All we want to do is win and come in and win together. And uh, I look forward to being part of that. Yeah, they want to win and steal money, allegedly. This voice of Carson Wentz. The new and actually technically first quarterback of the Washington Commanders. If you think about it that way, right? He'll be the first starter for the team as Commanders. Why not? Nick Ashy on the fan. I'm at Nick Ashy on Twitter. I, again, immediately regret what I said about that Kim Kardashian outfit. Uh, and if Dan Snyder is out, that I would wear it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why? Why did I do that? It is, yep, it's my Chris Russell moment. Fantastic. Uh, so Derek Carr getting $40 million was kind of expected. We knew he was going to get another big payday. Uh, the value of the quarterback in the NFL continues to skyrocket, and you'll pay for good. You'll pay premium prices for good quarterbacks, right? We're talking about really num- twos and threes in the NBA getting supermaxes. It's kind of a similar situation, taking up a big part of the, the cap, but you need it. You need a quarterback in the NFL. You need stars in the NBA if you want to win. That's just how these leagues are built. Every league has their certain things you need to do. That's how the NFL and the NBA work. I like Carr. He's in what the back end of the top half of quarterbacks, if you can kind of figure out what that is. Like if you took 32, 16, maybe like 12, 13, 14, I don't know, somewhere around there. He's good. Good quarterback. Great leader. What the Raiders were over able to overcome this past season, led by, without question, Derek Carr, is a testament to the type of leader he is. If, if I'm building a quarterback, when I go to the leadership category on Madden, right, it's Derek Carr's leadership is what I'm dropping in there. Put it in 99. 99. It, it, you need that, but you obviously need more than just that at quarterback, but that matters because you see what's going on right now with somebody like Baker Mayfield who's talking about being disrespected by the Browns when then you get the leaks before that they're looking for an adult to, to you know, play the position. you got to have leadership qualities, not just talent. Baker Mayfield's a pretty good quarterback, but he's not great. I'd take Derek Carr over Baker Mayfield, obviously, but you get my point that leadership also matters. Your ability to relate with others, it, it, that matters. Teammates, coaches, front office personnel. Can Derek Carr, though, take this Raiders team to the playoffs with that division, the best division in football, in a loaded AFC as a whole? I I find it very difficult to believe that. He's probably the fourth-best quarterback in his division on the fourth-best team, and he's a good quarterback, and the Raiders were a playoff team last year. Carr's fifth among active quarterbacks for game-winning drives, right? We've seen that. He's a... He has the ability. Sometimes he's making up for his own mistakes. But he is so good in late-game situations, he doesn't get phased. He's fourth in in fourth-quarter comebacks. But when you think about all the stuff that he's done in the years that he's been in the NFL already, he's led the Raiders to just two postseasons and hasn't won a playoff game. And he just got $40 million a year. Bradley Beal as a number one with the Wizards, can barely get them to the playoffs, and he's looking for a supermax from the team this offseason. Derek Carr 
just got $40 million, and he's never won a playoff game with the Raiders. These two leagues are very similar. It just looks different. That's really what it is. And you as an organization have to make the decision, well, how are we going to find the best way to maximize our team while working around maybe not being in the best position at the most important position, right? The most important position in the NBA is stars, plain and simple. Bradley Beal is a great player. He's an all-star. Is he a number one? No. Is he somebody you can build a franchise around with other stars? Yes. But not in like a LeBron James role, not in a Giannis role. He's not going to be an MVP. So when I say the Wizards had to do something to try and work around the situation they're in, it's the same thing with the Commanders, right? They don't have Derek Carr. They didn't have to commit $40 million a year for three, four, five years down the road. They got Carson Wentz for $28 million in a one-year commitment. Now, I get it. Wentz has all kinds of questions, right? There's no, no doubt about it. Were you excited when they traded for Carson Wentz? No, you probably made jokes or you threw something at the wall. But now that the dust is settled and you've kind of seen where everything's gone, and we knew Russell Wilson wasn't coming here, turned it down. Matt Stafford last year turned it down. They weren't getting Aaron Rodgers, so stop pretending that that was going to happen. I would have loved it too, but it wasn't going to happen. So he went down the list, and what was next? They probably talked to the Raiders about Derek Carr. Josh McDaniels was like, I didn't take this job to rebuild. I want Derek Carr. I also maintain that he probably thinks Mac Jones has already maxed out, but that's a conversation for another day. But Washington needed a quarterback, and they added a quarterback. Look, Wentz's value is always going to be debated. It's going to be just part of the... Part of how it goes. Every mistake he makes, oh, there it is. There's the Carson Wentz we remember. But every big play, you're going to go, oh, yeah. Like, he absolutely is an upgraded quarterback for this team. Best quarterback they've had since Kirk Cousins, and they've cycled through a lot of quarterbacks. But, you know, then you wonder, okay, well, was he worth still the $28 million? It took away a lot of cap space they had this offseason, but you needed a quarterback. You know, why has he been traded twice in a year, essentially? That's a big question mark. You know, the reputation about whether or not he's coachable and truly a leader like a Derek Carr, that still needs to be debated. And he was asked about it at all those different, you know, interviews that he had when he got introduced by the team, and he kind of danced around it and never really answered because that's what you'd expect. You know, can he play like a possible MVP again? Yeah, probably not. That was a few years ago and pre-torn ACL and... I think those are all fair questions that you have with this. But there's no debate. There is no debate that Carson Wentz is an upgraded quarterback, plus it's a short-term commitment. It's still $28 million versus something like 40 that Derek Carr got. All long-term guys, all franchise guys, you're paying 40-plus now. That's it. And then it's 50, and then it's 60, and it's going to keep going. It's like Juan Soto. Juan Soto's going to get half a billion dollars. And then the market's going to keep going up for the most talented, high-priced free agents in baseball. Prices only go up. Honestly, it's like gas, right? The inflation on quarterbacks and wide receiver salaries, by the way, is like gas prices right now. But if, if you're Washington, you know that they had the lowest combined total QBR over the past four seasons in the entire NFL. The lowest across the board. Think about that. We have suffered. We have suffered through some horrific teams and horrific quarterback play. You at least get a strong arm. So you can use more of the field, open up the passing game a little bit more. Now you're going to get some mistakes. But what I'd like to point out with all this, you're getting a quarterback at $28 million. When the going rate for a 
Pro Bowl caliber quarterback right now, let's say, is at $40 million. Carson Wentz has shown flashes of Pro Bowl quarterback, right? I mean, the guy threw 27 touchdowns and just seven interceptions last year. After the Colts' 0-3 start, Wentz was still working his way in. He he'd had was out uh, because of COVID protocols during training camp and sprains both of his ankles. And then they started finding a rhythm, remember? And we look like, wait, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz have figured this thing out. And then it all fell apart late in the year. There's that sandwich in the middle of the two pieces of bread that are total crap at the beginning end of the season. The meat in the middle of that sandwich, it's pretty good. It's worth $28 million, that's for sure. I'd pay that, especially for one year. So, look, Taylor Heineke deserves all the credit for how he played. There's nobody that's saying anything less than when you're looking at who he was and where he came from and what his story was, awesome story. And really adds value as a backup. Great backup for this team. Now, you know he can come in, knows the offense. He's going to go out there, make plays. He's got chemistry with uh, everybody in the offense for the most part, depending on who they obviously add in the draft, for example. But they've needed that upgrade. And Derek Carr getting $40 million today, a year, and Carson Wentz at 28, and a short-term commitment, would I have rather had Derek Carr? Yes. But Derek Carr has never won a playoff game, and he just got $40 million. I, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to see where, the, where, where the, the value and the demand is for quarterbacks now, although it shouldn't be because this continues to happen. You know, but Carson Wentz... Still has to prove that he's a long-term solution. And by the way, I like having a quarterback on a one-year prove-it deal for me that has maybe a chip on his shoulder. What if, I know this is crazy, and I sometimes I say crazy things, just bear with me. What if it actually does work? What if our fortunes change? And you can hear the sounds of angels singing and a harp being played, and all of a sudden... Things just work out positively, and the football gods bestow a blessing upon the Washington Commanders, and Carson Wentz plays like a true franchise quarterback next year. At $28 million, it's going to be a bargain. Then you've got to address that situation in the offseason, but I'd rather be in that position than in a position where they're once again going, we don't have a clue who's playing the position for us. It's a better place to be, that's for sure. I'll take the $28 million. I saw that Derek Carr deal today, and I was like, wait. I mean, expected, but I like him. I think he's a good quarterback. I would have loved him being Washington, but $40 million for never winning a playoff game this far in his career. It's tough. Coming up, the XFL just announced their new coaches. Remember that? It's XFL 3.0. What league is going to last longer, the XFL or the USFL? We're going to figure it out next. Nick Ashew on the fan. They're up 60-52 at halftime in their 9-10 game. The 9th and 10th place teams. Wizards couldn't even get there. 60-52. Uh, Trey Young is 3 of 13. Lonzo Ball is also 3 of 13. Oh, and Lonzo Ball is 3 of 8 from 3 in the first half. Ugh. Ugh. Yet somehow these teams still put up 60 and 52 points. I was going to do the math in my head. I decided not to, so it's... Point is, they've scored a lot of points, even without... Not a lot of defense. That's just missed shots. I, I promise you that. But it's close. And honestly, isn't that really what we want? Close games. They're also showing Zion Williamson dunking pregame for the Pelicans. Zion ain't playing. 
And he's not playing in the playoffs either. I'm just telling you now. That's that's by the way, that's the next big drama in the NBA is his relationship with the GM and whether or not he still wants to be in New Orleans. Just get ready for that now. That's going to be it. Uh, so I saw this. The XFL put out today uh, like their list of coaches because now it's the third time around, but The Rock has made it, so it's all going to work because everything The Rock does is great. And don't you argue with me any other way. The Rock is great. But we've got the USFL starting up, which, by the way, you can bet on. How great is that? I, I don't know anything about any of the teams in the USFL, but I know that it exists. The XFL is coming back again in 2023, which I'm excited about because it was actually a lot of fun to watch before the pandemic shut things down. Ryan, I, I need your help on this because uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out, because we've seen this so many times, right? We've had the USFL. We've had multiple XFLs. Uh, we had the AAF. AAF, was that what it was? It lasted like four games. They yeah, shut yeah. down that league. The American, or I don't even know. Something like American that. Alliance of Football League Association. I don't know what the hell they were. They lasted like a month, and then they just shut everything down and locked people out of the buildings. It's just it, one of the biggest failures that we've ever had in professional sports or semi-pro sports at that point. Uh, which one of these spring sports or spring football leagues is going to last longer? So I maintain, I really feel like this time around, it's actually going to get at least a couple of years out of these leagues. And I know that's a very low standard, but let's be honest, they don't last very long. The XFL's got funding and promotion from The Rock, which does matter, by the way. There's a reason why he gets paid to talk about his tequila on Instagram, like, every day. Because his, his word is valuable to people. But the USFL's got backing by networks, like Fox. So, it this feels to me... Like, these can, leagues can make it a couple of years, but if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to go with the XFL. Where are you going? I mean, I want to zag where you're zigging here, but it has to be the XFL, you know? They have Rod Woodson, Heinz Ward. Uh, look at Who else do they have? Jim Hazlitt, Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, yeah. Hobbs, I mean, they got star power all over the place. And The Rock promoting it. No Jim Zorn anymore, though, which is No Jim Zorn. That I is upsetting. hoping to have Jim Zorn again. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I feel like it has to be the XFL at this point. Will you watch it? I, you know, it'll probably be like some cold March day where I'll be like, dang, I really want to see some football right now. I'm like a Sunday. And then I'll probably just turn it on and watch it. I mean, why not? It's football. I'll, I'll check it out. Do I, I think feel, it'll be good? See, I feel Ooh. like that that's people's attitudes where it's like, oh, well, it's football. And then you do it for a couple weeks. Because I actually had, I think... The presentation was really unique, especially last time with the XFL. I like the creative new ideas for rules and procedures and stuff and the way they handle things. The USFL is doing the same thing where, like, I think you can have a three-point conversion or something. There's a bunch of different, they've you know, kind yeah, of these yeah. gimmicky rules. But I'm okay with that. What these leagues need, though, if they're ever really going to survive, and I think the XFL might have actually done something with the NFL, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but... You have to have an affiliation with the NFL. What you really need is a minor league system for the NFL. You don't have that. You have practice squads, and, and that's it. You know, I, I'm not talking extensive like what baseball has or even the G League like the NBA, but what the NFL needs to have is some sort of other league where you can develop players, where you can send down some younger quarterbacks, like Taylor Heineke getting more experience. That might help him, right? I mean, now... Again, I know there's a lot of logistics. I know there's a when would they play and then how would this work. I understand that. They can figure out a way because this then gives more opportunities 
for players. This gives a chance for organizations to develop guys. And with the backing of the NFL, look, the Rock is the Rock, Ryan, but the NFL is still the NFL. And if exactly. they supported one of these leagues, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, so, and actually, I looked that up. The NFL and the XFL partnered with, like, and for an in-season training program for NFL-ready players led okay. by former NFL coaches and players. So, so, that, so there's something at least there. There's Exactly. The, it's like they almost planted a seed for a bigger role later on. Exactly, and so that that's what I also think, too. I mean, why not try to make it like a practice squad situation to where you can pick XFL players and or do whatever with it? It matters, and it's an opportunity for teams to get, I mean, even if you got a good young receiver that's kind of raw or, you know, a corner converting to wide receiver or the other way around and you really want them to grow, you need reps. And practice is good, but it's not a real game. A real game situation matters. I still think it's funny, by the way, when you really think about the concept, the XFL stands for the Extreme Football League. It's not really the Extreme Football League anymore. Like, it's not the original XFL. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a spring football league now. Exactly. I, I mean, unless you're going to have Wade Phillips coming off the top ropes, I mean, yes. that'd, be, that'd be pretty extreme. And I'm imagine? here for it. <laughs> Wade Phillips belly flopping on someone. <laughs> I'd love it. That's what I want to see. But he's got to be shirtless. It's way more fun that way. Way more fun. And way here more. he comes to the ring. Is that Wade Phillips' music? Fuck out. That's all you have to do. I would be, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's it has to be credible. The leagues have to be credible. And what will help them if they're able to get at least a couple of years under their belt, either one of them, is guys going from those leagues, the USFL or the XFL, and then having some success in the NFL. Because then it's like, see, you can make this jump. And look, I mean, we know the, U, you know the USFL back in the day. If you want to look at how they poached talent and threw out a ton of money, if they want to try to go that route, the real big coup, the real big way to get that talent earlier than the NFL, is letting guys in before it's three years after they graduate high school. That's the difference. If you can get some of the top recruits, maybe directly out of high school, if you can get them to go to the USFL or the XFL, so you don't want to go to college, we give you $3 million a year. But it's a little more difficult now because you also have those NIL deals. So you got to compete with that, which is a whole new world. The last time both these leagues existed, the XFL semi-recently, and then the USFL obviously back in the day, you didn't have NIL deals. You didn't have college players getting the ability to earn seven figures for their name, image, and likeness like you're getting in college football now. So you are getting money, and you can capitalize on your talent and your you know, ranking as a high school football player and jump. And, and really, you can get the guys are getting these in high school right now. But it is still possible. But you just have to really show them the money. That's the difference. So if the, if the USFL comes to second or third, even fourth-ranked quarterback in, in high school and says, hey, we'll sign you for $4 million a year, give you a three-year deal so you can get out once the NFL comes around after three years if you want that opportunity, give you a chance to play now for more money, somebody's going to take that. There was a point where a couple of guys like Jeremy Tyler, I remember the name, Warriors ended up drafting him. He left high school, he's a high school basketball player that left high school as a junior to go play overseas. I think it was in China. And we've seen it a couple of other times too. Guys leaving high school before they graduate. Because the NBA, that's a little bit of a difference in the age situation there. But that's how one of these leagues would do it. 
but you got to give them the money and the opportunity. And that doesn't mean it's going to work, by the way. An 18-year-old going to play against professionals, there's a reason why the NFL wants three years. They want you to mature physically, not just mentally, but physically. But for these leagues, they, that's an opportunity to get some attention, to gain some clout, to gain some recognition. And you're not competing with the NFL. You'll just be competing with each other. So mark my words, we'll see that. We'll see one of these leagues bring in somebody that isn't eligible for the NFL draft. And maybe they leave college and go here. Maybe it's after their freshman year. Great freshman year. It's a running back, right? Top running back. Leads the nation in rushing something like, oh, I can't go to the NFL. Like Leonard Fournette after his freshman year. Or uh, Maurice Claret. There's a great one. Maurice Claret. Think about his freshman year at Ohio State. Then he suspended his sophomore year. It's just It went completely downhill in a million different directions for him. And maybe it would have always, that could have been the case. You don't know. But he wanted to. Remember, he challenged the NFL on their rule. They said, you got to wait three years. He's like, I want to go play pro now. Probably would have been pretty good. But those are the guys that these leagues can get, and that's how you get the change. That's how you look around and go, oh, I want to go watch this XFL. I want to see this guy. Second highest rated running back in the in high school goes directly out of there from 18. Stuff like that, that's, that's what will make the difference. I'm I'm in the group, though, that's like, it's football. I'll watch it some. Some. But we'll see. Make it more interesting, and I'll watch it more. It's really that simple. You find a way to get some stars there. I mean, they got The Rock. Just who knows? The Rock can do a lot of, lot of crazy things. That's for sure. The Rock and having sports gambling in that, too? You know, that's, a good, that's actually <laughs> oh. a really good point. That's a really good point, because you can bet on the USFL now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, betting on these leagues will make a big difference, too. Uh, people are emotionally invested in anything now. I mean, look. The, the change in our, in our world of sports is it's here and it's never going away. Sports betting has increased the interest in sports in general uh, tenfold. It's unbelievable what, it, what it's done. And it's great because people have an emotional connection to other games that don't involve their team. Right? So you can have – it's like fantasy sports started off this trend and then sports betting just injected – you injected like horse steroids into it and just took it through the roof because now you can be a fan of – the commanders, and they could be two and seven, but you're still emotionally invested in a whole bunch of things on that Sunday because you got something riding on a few of those games or an NBA game or a USFL game or whatever. It's not just emotionally invested, though, because it's also financially invested, and that's that's one of the big, big differences. Uh, speaking of financial investments, the commanders are a disaster when it comes to the very, very top, but there's ways that they can fix everything else on the field and at least do what they need to do to build a good football team. I'll explain what I mean next. Nick Ashew on The Fan. I have never been of the theory that uh, this is not, you know, even when Congress got involved on just the sexual harassment element and the toxic workplace, I did not dismiss it or not take it seriously. I thought it was very serious and I thought it was very problematic for Dan and the NFL. 
Now I think it's much more problematic for Dan than the NFL, although the NFL could still be uh, in the firing line here as well. And I, I would expect at some point we're going to see Roger Goodell uh, and maybe even Dan Snyder, presumably both, uh, on Capitol Hill, just like the baseball uh, you know, people who were subpoenaed back in the early 2000s. And you know w- what will come out of that, I don't know, but it sure will be interesting and, uh, and, and highly filled drama. It was Chris Russell earlier on Overtime. Nick Ashew on the fan. It's it just it does feel different to me. Like it really does, and I don't know. Maybe it's a cautious optimism that's misguided, or maybe because I don't know. The weather's nice, and I'm breathing fresh air, and I saw sunlight for consecutive days for the first time in what feels like six months. So I'm feeling good. But it does feel like everything that's going on surrounding Dan Snyder and surrounding these allegations and when you get more and more people involved that are outside of the NFL really truly digging because maybe they actually give a damn and want to find the truth, this might be different because you've taken away money potentially, allegedly, from owners and players. You've cooked your books. You've embarrassed the shield. You've bruised the egos of billionaires. All that stuff matters. And when you start talking about egos, and when you start talking about angry billionaires that look at somebody that they've kept around and just said, yeah, it makes us look better, right? He's the guy that makes everybody else around him look better. That's who Dan Snyder is. Like, well, as long as this guy's here, I'm not the worst. We're fine. Also, don't think for a second there may not be some other things that owners don't want coming out of what's going on within their organizations, too. So there's always the worry that, hey, I got this on you if you do this. Or I, There's a lot of stuff to untangle, and there's a lot of things that have to unravel for this to turn into more. But it feels like the closest we've been. And closest doesn't mean close. It just means the farthest along we've gotten at this point to that end game of no longer having Dan Snyder as the owner of this team. The most hated man in Washington... That can unite all parties and all walks of life. The parade would be epic. It would be massive. No, but if you're Ron Rivera and you're the rest of this team, you got to deal with this crap. You've been dealing with it from the beginning, but this is what he signed up for. So, you know, he's at least shown whether you're happy or not with the way season, last season went. You're probably not for the most part. You at least look and go, Rivera's put up with the crap he knew he was going to, so I'll give him credit for that. But, you know, there's there's different ways to build a team. But the key is Washington's got to figure out what their plan is. And they've got to continue to grow this roster. Because at least if you're winning, winning on the field, then that'll take away some of, I guess, at least the stench around the rest of the organization. Because, yeah, it's the owner and how the business things were run. But there's also the football side of things. And, you know... We've seen in the past Washington go the Rams route, right? We've thrown up middle fingers at first-round picks, and you're just throwing away money and free agents left and right. Then they got a little bit more cautious in the next stage, which was really under, like, Bruce Allen, and they didn't go spending money left and right. It, it, it matters what the direction is, what the mindset is of the team, and then you got to have management that can actually handle it. And for the first time in a while, it feels like there's a lot of adults in the room from that standpoint. It matters everywhere, right? Management matters. Front office, management, all that stuff. The people in charge, they got to be good at their job. Or that's going to trickle down everywhere else. 
Now, do I believe for a second that Dan Snyder is not involved in any day-to-day operations? Again, I assume he lives with his wife. It's very easy for them to have conversations. They can have nice pillow talk about the organization every night if they want to. But if he's, they're dealing with this, you got people that are actually lawyers dealing with the stuff off the field and the allegations and Ron Rivera and the rest of his staff is building a team, then okay. At least you're kind of going in the right direction. Like, this team is, this team has improved. It's not all gloom and doom for them. I I know we're used to it. You know me, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything with this team. I've been a suffering fan, but I look at it from a very jaded perspective most of the time. But also realistic, because I've seen it all. They're slightly better with Carson Wentz. I mean, they are. He might be the second-best quarterback, believe it or not, in the division. I know that's not saying a lot, but he could be. I mean, that, 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 that type of stuff matters. If Chase Young comes back healthy, Curtis Samuel can be healthy and actually contribute, I don't know, anything on offense like he was brought in to do. Logan Thomas is healthy. They missed a lot of last season. That makes this team better offensively and defensively. Now, Chase Young's got to get back to looking like the guy that we saw in the second half of his rookie year, the reason why he was defensive rookie of the year. But you add that to that defense and a team that did improve at the end of last season and had won seven games on a first-place schedule. There's something there. You know, they got to replace Landon Collins, who actually did a really good job in that Buffalo nickel role. They, they used that package more than half of the time last season, and he played great in that role, which is what he should have been doing from the beginning. Brandon Sheriff losing him on the offensive line, that hurts. You kind of knew that was going to come. They've lost some depth on the defensive line. So they've got to address these things in the draft. But if they can have a good draft, at least you, and this is what you'd prefer, and this is what I would prefer too, you and I are going to be focusing on, ooh, they look a lot better. They made some improvements. They addressed wide receiver, got a guy in the first round, got a guy later. Uh, you know, they, they went out and added a little more depth again on the defensive line, offensive line, got themselves another linebacker. You start feeling pretty good. The draft can change a lot. But this is always how it goes. The NFL's got a certain calendars. Every month is something new. There are certain things that can spark optimism without seeing anything on the field. And it's a big free agency, and then it's how well you do in the draft. right? And then everybody kind of just overlooks stuff until the regular season. Because preseason, you can throw out, well, it's preseason, they're not showing anything. You see bits and pieces, but we all know that the general consensus around preseason is, is just preseason, let's pump the brakes and not overreact too much. Well, that's what you should be doing. I guess, be honest, there's always somebody that feels that way. But this is, this is a team that can make strides, can be better can be a team that's, even if they're just 9-8 and eight next year, that is a big improvement with still not having your franchise quarterback figured out. And I don't know, maybe Carson Wentz looks like it. Maybe he suddenly turns into MVP candidate Carson Wentz that we had before he tore his ACL in Philadelphia. Maybe. Am I betting on it? No. But did they improve at the most important position? They did. And they still have an out. They still have an opportunity in next year's draft, which is hopefully going to be much stronger at quarterback, to figure out who their guy is, and maybe they have to package a couple of picks together and move up in the draft. Hell, it worked for the Chiefs just fine with Patrick Mahomes. So if you can build the rest of this roster and add some good, young, cheaper pieces as well that are talented, you get a guy in the third, fourth round to major contributor, not costing you as much. You build up the rest of the roster. Carson Wentz's $28 million comes off the books next year, and you've got a, a quarterback that you draft in the first round on top of all this. 
I mean, that's the formula, right? Chiefs won a Super Bowl that way. Seattle won a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson that way. I'm not saying this team's going to be a Super Bowl contender in a year or two. But what I am saying is that's the direction you want to go. That's how you want to build your franchise. You got a placeholder at quarterback now. I know it's not flashy, but it's better. I promise you, it's better. And you also will be frustrated at times with Carson Wentz decisions. I promise you. But you can now at least address other positions right now. And it's easier to find a talented linebacker than it is a franchise quarterback. It's easier to find another good offensive lineman or wide receiver, especially in this draft, than it is a quarterback. So fill those other needs, build up the rest of the roster, and then you get to address the quarterback. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this team wins... Let's say 10 games. Let's just go on the on the, the happy side of things. Rosie, and it's just one of those, oh, wow, okay. This team's starting to look like they're bringing it together. That culture's seeping in from Ron Rivera. Okay, let's say that happens. They win 10 games. But they're able to move up in the draft. They go get a quarterback. They do the Chiefs route. Let's just, you know. I mean, the Denver Broncos last year without a quarterback were looked at as a quarterback away type team. Washington would then be looked at as a quarterback-away type team, which we kind of thought heading into this past season that was the case, but you get the idea. So that possibility is there. But it all depends now on the draft coming up. Got to make good decisions in the draft. Got to address needs. And you have to, please, get some receivers that can actually take away some attention from Terry McLaurin. There's a reason why he's one of the best in the NFL going up for contested throws. Because he's always covered. Because he's always got all the attention on him. So you go out there and get yourself like a Drake London in the first round. Woo, okay. Now we're talking. So there, there are ways to turn this thing around. And at least we have adults running some semblance of a decent operation when it comes to you know, the football side of things. Of course, this team wins four games, and then we're all going to be going, what were we thinking? But that is the NFL. All right, we're going to wrap things up next. Nick Ashew on the fan. Nick Ashew on the fan. It's gotten out of control in Atlanta. 82-65, the Hawks all over the Hornets now. Lonzo Ball is 3 of 15. Trey Young is 4 of 15. Oh, what a shooting display from two dynamic young talents. Good Lord. Whoa. You know, this is, look, this is the risk you do run with the play-in tournament here. I, I mean, right? You're a... 10th place team against a 9th place team. So you're you're changing the mindset a little bit, like I said, the mindset the Wizards love, right? Where it's like, just get us in. We can just, just squeak our way in. Just, just get us there. You know, a lot more teams will kind of look at that, but it's easier when they're young, up-and-coming teams versus teams that have just been spinning their tires for years and years in the same position without really a blueprint of how they're going to move things forward. You know, but you're also then going to get these moments where you have a game where one team just looks completely overmatched, worn out, unprepared, the pressure's too much, whatever the case is. And that's kind of what you're getting right now. But I, I applaud the NBA. I love the fact that they're willing to go out and try new things. They're talking about a midseason tournament as well. Uh, I, I don't know if that really has the same juice. This has a little bit more riding on it. You're almost creating a fake trophy and a 
arbitrary championship that isn't really a championship that like what do you call it how does that work do guys really get up for it other than just getting money as winners what's really give players i said give the best dunkers a million dollars to win the dunk contest maybe we'll get a decent dunk contest for a change money motivates people i think we all know that yeah but this is this is a league that has been willing to try new things to change things to be progressive to allow themselves to adapt with the times. Like years ago, all the professional sports leagues tried to get together and sue YouTube because they had all of their highlights on YouTube. And Adam Silver and the NBA were like, no, we're not going to do that. That promotes our league. This is great. Baseball still fights people for having their highlights in certain spots. It makes you take stuff down. I think they've loosened it a little bit, but what are you doing? This is, this is a different world. I mean, hell, the Nats just had their games, what, like a year ago? Was it, was last year the first year that you were actually able to use a streaming service to watch their games? I think it was last year. It was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, right? It was last year, wasn't it? It was, I believe yeah, so. Last, That's when they launched it. The last two years are a blur, Ryan. I don't remember what half the things are. <laughs> like, time is a flat circle, and I don't even know what year it is anymore. So, But, yeah, like, you got to, like, it, it, you just, you have to be able to have some foresight and understand that as I under. I get that leagues, NBA, NFL, all these leagues, they were, they were different 20 years ago, but it doesn't matter now. They're going to keep evolving, and I'm sure there's going to be a point in my life where I'm looking going, I remember back in the day when all we had was social media, and all we did was watch highlights on there. Now it's implanted in our brains through chips that they, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future is of these leagues, but the ultimate thing is you want it to survive. I want the NBA to be successful. You know I'm a huge NBA fan. I love the NBA. I'll watch random games. I watch every sport, but like the NBA is what I grew up loving first. I want to see the league succeed. That's why baseball fans should feel that way about baseball. The young talent that's in baseball right now with Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr. Jeez, it's been a long day. Vlad Guerrero Jr., all these juniors of stars that I remember playing years ago. That'll make you feel old. Uh, that, that Embrace that. This is good. This is what baseball needs. Try some different things. I like the runner on second base in the 10th inning. Most people don't. I get it, but it adds a new wrinkle to this. It adds a little something different, and I, look, I'll take it. It's fun. You got to make these leagues continue to thrive, and what we want is every sports league to thrive, and they're going to look different, and you got to deal with some things. I'm used to think that the patches on the NBA jerseys was a gimmick. Well, they're making money, and it's going to help the league, and it's, I really don't even notice them anymore, so it doesn't make that big of a difference. All right, make sure you check me out uh, Saturdays with Grant Paulson, 10 to noon. BetQL and CBS Sports Radio on the Odyssey app. Also, after that, I got two more hours on CBS Sports Radio. I will talk to you, well, whatever, the next time that I'm actually on this station. It's all just one big circle.